0: in the process of praying and discerning uh, what God wants us to talk about. Uh, a lot of times uh, your prayer request and my involvements, my connections with, People all over our community uh, kind of brings me to some things I want to talk about. Some things I think the Lord wants me to talk about. So we had a great series during uh, February, uh, and this month we're doing a couple little different things. These next two Sundays, I want to talk about marriage today. Marriage today—that it—that it still matters. Uh, for far too many people, the subject of marriage is like a like a three ring circus sometimes. First, there's the engagement ring, and then there's the wedding ring, and then there's the suffer ring. Uh, that's, that's how it goes sometimes, I think, how people think about that. One lady said that she got married because she was looking for the ideal, but it quickly became an ordeal, and now she wants a new deal. And so that's, that's, that's rough there. Um, you know, when I start, when I mentioned, I told somebody yesterday, uh, they said, well, what are we doing Sunday? And I told them I was preaching on marriage and I, I thought they were like gonna say, well, I'm not coming to church. Um, no, uh, what, what we are seeking to do is to affirm what God says about marriage. Marriage is under attack in our society and around us. And it's so important that we as believers whether you're married or not, uh, whatever your situation, we have to have the right understanding of what God says about something so important. So, um, so if you already checked out because you saw the title, check back in. Uh, come in with me uh, as we think uh, about this. Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, he was not married. And Paul was, so Paul was a single adult, and he said in 1 Corinthians 7, 7, We all are given different gifts. God gives the gift of marriage to some, and to others, he gives the gift of singleness. So what that verse tells you right away is that everybody's not necessarily supposed to be married. God says in his word that he gives different gifts uh, that come from him. So sometimes we have the gift of marriage, and sometimes he gives us the gift of singleness. Do you know gift? Uh, Singleness was a gift. So how do you know if you have the gift of singleness? Well, I think if if you have a desire to be married one day, uh, you don't have that gift. I mean, it's it's like a telltale sign for sure. Uh, If you say, really, I'd love to be married one day and I'd like to have a wife or have a husband, then you don't have the gift of singleness. Singleness is when God makes it clear that you can be perfectly happy to live the rest of your life not married. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a, it's a blessing, actually, as a gift from God. So whether you've never been married or you're divorced or you're separated or you're widowed or you're currently married or you're thinking about being married one day, the state of marriage and what we believe about marriage applies to all of us, not just all of us in this room, but all of us in our society. Hebrews 13.4 says, marriage should be honored by Everyone. That would include you and me. Marriage should be honored by everyone. So regardless of whether you ever marry or not, or whether you've been married in the past, or you are now or not now, I am to honor marriage. That's what the Bible says. Sadly, marriage is not really honored by everyone in the society today. Would you at least agree with me about that? Um, In fact, it's exactly the opposite. Today, marriage is dismissed as irrelevant to many people, uh, even archaic. Who needs to get married, some might say. That's something maybe for another generation or another culture, a man-made lifestyle choice, and it can be dismissed as if nobody needs to get married. It can be demeaned by many people. Marriage is demeaned. It's a uh, some would say it's a career buster. You're getting married, oh, there goes your career. Marriage is being redefined. It's being ridiculed. It's being demeaned and denounced. It's being discouraged. Marriage is disrespected. We don't live in a culture where marriage is honored by everyone uh, anymore. Even Christians can fall into this trap. Uh, so marriage is treated like just one more lifestyle choice that you can pick. That's not what marriage is, according to the scripture. It's far more important than we realize uh, whether or not you ever get married yourself or not. It's so essential. God gave us marriage and he gave us some reasons for marriage. Six of them that I'm going to mention to you today. Most people don't know why marriage matters. Most people have a very personal or uh, selfish focus on uh, why they would get married, but God has reasons about marriage that we can apply to us. Um, if it's an incredible, sometimes people have a really incredibly unrealistic view of marriage, which nobody can live up to, or sometimes you're just flat out wrong about the meaning and purpose of marriage. A lot of times people don't get it right. So the reality is that marriage won't solve all your problems. I would even say marriage won't solve any of your problems. A lot of people think marriage creates problems. Well, I didn't have this problem until I got married. Oh no, oh no, that's not right. Marriage doesn't solve your problems. Marriage doesn't create your problems. Marriage reveals your problems. If you're cranky, your marriage is going to reveal it. If you're a perfectionist, your marriage will reveal it. If you're fearful and insecure and you're a worrywart, marriage is going to reveal it. If you're bitter and angry and controlling and manipulative, your marriage is going to reveal it. Marriage don't create problems. Marriage reveals problems. And they show up in marriages like no other relationship. I mean, I've, I have this gentleman I was talking to a while back, and he has had multiple marriages. And so we were doing some counseling together, and he said, I just don't understand it. What, what, what is wrong here? My, my relationships, they just stink. I wanted to say, you know what the common denominator is? It's you, buddy. It's you. See, you know what the problem with, with marriage is, is, is us, what we bring into that relationship. Marriage simply magnifies what's already a problem with you, and maybe it's masked because you are living as a single adult. So marriage isn't going to solve your problems, but marriage does have a God-designed function. It does not, It does have a God-designed form. It's far more important than we even uh, realize. So we're, we're thinking about making sure that we're thinking about and defining marriage uh, in the right way because you need to be able to stand up for marriage. You need to think about what marriage means for you, what marriage means in our culture. Uh, you know that um, getting, getting married still matters. It still matters even today. So, why did God design marriage? Well, why marry today? Why is that important? Why marriage matters? Six things. Number one, God created it for connecting men and women, for the connecting of men and women. Um, there's a verse here from 1 Corinthians 11:11. 11, 11, but remember that in God's plan, men and women need each other. Do you know that was in the Bible? That's a pretty radical statement in the time that we live. A lot of people don't believe that. A lot of people say, well, women don't need men, and why would I need a man, and why would I need a woman? Well, you do. You do. And God designed you, created you, shaped you, that whether you're married or not, if you're a woman, you need men in your life, and if you're a man, you need women in your life. Now, why is that true? Because nobody holds the full image of God. Men are made a certain way in the image of God, and you know they're different than you ladies, right? And women are made a certain way, very different than men, and so it's the coming together. God thought of that. God thought up gender. God wired us this way. God thought up sexuality, and I mean, God thought up marriage. He thought it all up. It was his idea. It wasn't some man-made construct that we built. So the Bible says, at the very beginning of time in creation, the first couple came about and the first marriage. In Genesis 2, the Bible tells us that God created Adam, but he didn't make Eve yet. Now, why did God make man and then make woman just a little bit later? Why didn't he just make them at the same time? Obviously, he had a reason. I think he did it for Adam's benefit. I think he wanted Adam to realize how much he needed a woman in his life. Boy, I thought I guess I'm cheering right there, you know? <laughs> okay, keep, keep coming with me here. We go. So the Bible says in Genesis 2:18, "It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a companion who is right for him. I'll make him a companion," God says. I will make. Notice the first thing that you realize is that marriage gender men women all these difference is a God thing. It's a God thing. And God intended marriage one of his purposes in marriage is an antidote to our loneliness. So look at the verse. It says there it is not good for man to be alone. Then he, said, he says, I want to make him a companion. Many companions in your life are important, but there is nothing like the companionship of marriage if, if it's right, if it's what God intended. Um, the scripture encourages us, no other relationship like that. That's a, it's in a relationship class by itself. Here's what Jesus had to say. Mark chapter 10, Jesus said, God's plan has been seen from the beginning of creation, when he made us male and female. God made male, God made female, and God chose what you wanted to be, what he wanted you to be. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one body. Now, since they are no longer two, but one, so that's how God sees a marriage, as one no one should separate them for God has joined them together. What an important scripture uh, that is. You know, we could spend a lot of time uh, talking about this scripture, but I'll give you at least three things uh, that, that show up in this passage from Jesus. One is that marriage is God's plan. It's not a human plan. It's not a human idea. It's not just a tradition that we have that we can give or take. Um, God invented marriage when he invented you, when he invented me. When he invented humanity, marriage is God's plan. Second thing is, this verse tells us that marriage is between a man and a woman. Now, there are a lot of other relationships in our life, but they aren't marriage. Marriage is between a man and a woman, that's God's perspective. Thought I might get a few amens for that one as well, but okay, i am got to work harder here. Their body, uh, our bodies go together. Uh, we fit together in a, as a purpose, the creation uh, of God between a man and a woman for marriage. The third thing is that marriage is to be permanent. It says what God joins together God joins a couple together. God joined you together if you are in a marriage relationship. No one else brought you together. Somebody else might have been a matchmaker. You might have found them on some uh, website somewhere. But God joins us together. It means for it to be permanent. It's meant to be for life. Do you realize how radical just those three sentences are? Now, in the, in the world that we live in, that marriage is, is God's idea and his plan, that marriage is for a man and a woman, and that marriage should be permanent. So many people don't even believe that anymore about marriage, but it's still the truth. It's still the absolute truth from God. It's still the way that God designed marriage. And just because we li- we we live in the real, not necessarily the ideal, but it doesn't make any, any difference. It still exists that this is God's plan. Um, it's, you know, I've done a lot of marriages, a lot of weddings, like a, a lot, hundreds. Um, uh, you know, one of the things... You know, I sometimes say I'm not really like a marriage machine. I'm not trying to just marriage, marry everybody I can. Uh, you know, it takes a lot of work to get somebody married. It does. You know, we do premarital counseling and all that. I don't, I, wouldn't, I don't even marry anybody without spending quite a bit, quite a few hours with them. You know why that is? Because so many couples leave God out. I notice that even in the church. You know, my view of what happens in a wedding and on into a marriage can be way different than somebody just getting married. Um, So, you know, we need God in our marriages uh, to think about his perspective, um, to think about his perspective about what he's giving to us. So the first thing that we notice is that God is reminding us that he wants to connect men and women together. Now, number two, marriage... It still matters because God created it for number two, for the multiplying of the human race. For the multiplying of the human race. It's how we all got here, right? You are sitting here in this service or you're watching online today because God got some couple together and they made you. It's true of every one of us. It's God's idea. God populated the human planet through marriage. For thousands and thousands of years, billions of people have come into existence because men and women got together and got married. And that's that's part of God's plan. A little, little background on this. You know, the Bible says that God is love. We talked about this many, many times. It's his character. It's who he is. It's his nature, the nature of love. So there's only one good reason for there to be love in the universe. It's because God is love. And if God was not a loving God, you wouldn't have any love either. You're made in his, in his likeness. There would be no love in the universe. The only reason that you're able to love is because you as a man or a woman were created in the image of God. Squirrels don't love. Worms don't love. Definitely not. You know, the animal, they, they, they don't love. In, in the same way that we describe because men and women have, given, have been given the capacity to love because we're made in the image of God. And God said, I want to love you. I want to express my love to you. The Bible says that everything that God has made, he made it simply in order to love it. You were made so that God could love you. That's why you exist. You are not an accident. God wanted to love you. God wanted to create you. The Bible says God created the universe because he wanted a family to love. So he created the universe. He created you, created me, and he realized, hoped for, that some of us would choose to love him back. And then we would live with him forever and ever and ever in an eternal family in heaven. Praise God. Think think about this. God chose everybody who's going to be in heaven to come into existence through relationship, sexuality, and marriage. That's, that's, that was his desire. Uh, you know, nobody gets to heaven on their own plan. You get there by God's plan. Because everybody has come into existence through the tools and the methods that he designed. Look at Genesis 127. So God created people in his own image. He patterned them after himself, creating both male and female with his image. Then God blessed them and commanded them, be fruitful and multiply. Think about that. Fruitful and mul- fill the earth. So God's command to fill the, hu- the human race is, is guaranteed by connecting us to men or to a man or a woman. And I'd say that we've done a pretty good job fulfilling this command. Don't you think? We have fulfilled that. I mean, we have so many people that, that live on this planet now. And God says that one of the purposes was for the multiplying of the human race. Look at this verse, Malachi chapter 2, verse 5. God, not you, made marriage. His spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. That's stunning, isn't it? His spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. And what does he want from marriage? Godly children from your union. So guard the spirit of marriage within you. The spirit of marriage in you. Honestly, that's one of the reasons I preach this message today because there is something about uh, understanding God's perspective. So, you know, this passage here is not like an indictment against uh, a couple that couldn't have children. I mean, there are couples who want kids and for whatever reason, they can't have them or have been unable to have them. Uh, if you're married and you can't have kids, God is not disappointed with you. That's not what this verse is trying to say. What it's saying is that we're all alive because two people got together. And he intended it for to be in a marriage relationship. If men and women weren't together marrying and having babies, then nobody would be in heaven and nobody would be on the earth. That's his second purpose of marriage, bringing them together, the multiplying of uh, of children. Number three, right along that same line, number three is the third reason God created marriage was connecting men and women, multiplying the human race. And number three, marriage still matters for the protection of children, protection of children. God created, God invented marriage for one reason, to be a protection for children. We all know kids grow up better, healthier, stronger when they grow up in a stable family, amen? When they grow up in a marriage with a mom and a dad. I mean, why did God create marriage for the protection of children? Because when you were born, you were completely helpless. I mean, you look like you got control of yourself this morning, but there was a day when you were born that you did not. You couldn't feed yourself, you couldn't dress yourself, you couldn't change your diaper, you couldn't blow your nose, you couldn't even turn over uh, until a certain point there. You were t- literally totally helpless. God knew that human children needed a safe environment and you were going to need somebody to feed you and dress you and nurture you and you're going to need somebody to protect you and guide you and train you and care for you and all these things. I mean, you can look at all kinds of studies. I read uh, probably a 100 of them over the last few months studies about children that grow up with two parents um, without two parents without a mom or a dad you know there's all kind of increased risk now it doesn't mean that these things are going to happen to you it means they're just highly likely a lot more likely in that kind of so kids without two parents uh, a lot of times they uh, they struggle in school some don't graduate Uh, Kids without two parents more likely to be involved in some kind of substance or alcohol abuse. Not guaranteed, but highly likely in in those situations. Uh, All kind of different struggles and difficulties. On the other hand, children who live with their own two parents growing up, statistically proven they enjoy better health, better physical health than children living in some other uh, situation. Now, I didn't say that. It's all these studies that people have done. So think about this. How about women? Studies show that women who marry and stay married have lower rates of depression than either single women or mothers cohabitating with a man who, is not, who they're not married to. Women who marry and stay married have a lower risk of being a victim of a crime. There's less violence in their life. Women who marry and stay married have a higher net worth than those who are living with a man that they're not married to. Isn't that interesting? How about men? Men. Studies have shown that men who marry and stay married earn more money than single men with a similar education and job history. Aren't you thankful you're married, some of you guys? Men who marry, stay married, live longer than single men. Men who marry and stay married have more net worth uh, than those who live with a woman who they're not married to. Men who marry and stay married have fewer injuries and illness. Isn't that interesting? So what's the thing saying? These studies are saying something real simple. Now, notice, I didn't, that, that wasn't out of the Bible. That's just studies in our society. But you know what they're saying? When you do it God's way, things work out better. Not that he doesn't help us. We make mistakes. We make poor choices. God continues to help us. But things work out better when you do it God's way. And here, how I'll say this to you. Even if you've not done it God's way, you can start doing it God's way today, right? We can make a decision about following God's path. Every single study has proven that kids develop best uh, with a mom and a dad. Children thrive in a marriage that is strong and thre- strengthened. Uh, here's a verse from Proverbs 14, 26. This one's not on your outline. It says, those who obey and respect the Lord, in, in, in other words, doing what God wants us to do, have a secure fortress. Their children have a place of refuge and security. Do you know that in the past, I've heard people say, well, we're staying married for the children. Uh, you know, people laugh at that kind of statement today. Staying together for the sake of the kids. Like, what are you talking about? You got to do what's best for you. Uh, really? Do I always have to do what's best for me? Do, I always, do you always have to do what's best for you? Do you, that, you, know, you know what that's called? Narcissism. Doing, something, doing what's best for you all the time. Can you do something for somebody else because that's what they need? Can you sometimes do something for, that's best for somebody for the sake of that somebody who's more vulnerable than you are? You know what that's called? Maturity, maturity, unselfishness. And really, it's called love. So in, in our culture, we judge everything by what's best for me. What do I need? You don't have to judge yourself that way. You don't have to measure your society. You'll never be happy if the only thing you think about is you. You'll be a selfish little clod. How about that? That sounds like a pastor bad word or something. (laughs) (laughs) God created marriage for connecting men and women for the multiplication of the human race for the protection of children. Number four, this is a big one. God created marriage for the transformation of character, the transformation of our character. God created marriage to bring about the transformation of your character. That's one of the things he uses. It is in relationships that we learn to be unselfish. It's in relationship that we learn to be loving. And no relationship has a greater impact on your life than marriage if you choose to get married. Another fact is, that when you were born, you were not only totally helpless, but you were self-centered. I mean, nothing on the planet is more self-centered than a newborn baby, right? I mean, all they can think about is their self. You know, they just messed themselves up and they need to be cleaned up and they're hot, they're cold, they're hungry. Maturity and purpose in our life is to grow up and to realize that it's not all about me. That real happiness comes in giving my life away and being unselfish and serving and loving others. So, the whole goal of your life is to grow up from being this totally self centered baby to growing up to be a completely unselfish adult. Do you know any adult selfish babies? Don't look around. I'm not talking about any of y'all here. You know, I just run into them once in a while. You know some of them, right? That they still got that selfish thing about them and they focus on themselves just like the, uh, like the little baby. But we are called to maturity. Life is this laboratory of learning how to love. And love is so important. God is love and he wants us to be like him. Proverbs 18, 1. This, this translation says, it is selfish and stupid to think only of yourself. So how do you, how do you get out of that? Marriage is a lifelong, lifelong course in learning to be unselfish. That might make you squirm a little bit. Because once I get married, I can no longer think about me. I've got to think about We. I can't just think about me, myself, and I. I mean, how many of you who are married had to learn pretty quickly that once you got married, you couldn't do whatever you wanted to do again? We learned that pretty quick, right? If not, your wife will explain that to you for sure. (laughs) God wants me to be made like Christ. That's the number one goal, to be Christ-like, my character to grow and to be built. It's the number one tool that I believe God uses to build Christ-like character in men and women is to be married to your spouse. Oh, no. (laughs) Because every day, you get hundreds of opportunities to not think about you. You get opportunities to think about other people, to care about them. You say, well, my spouse, my husband, my wife is not a Christian. They're not a follower of Jesus. They're not a believer. It doesn't matter. You married them. You made the choice. They're still God's number one tool to make you Christ-like because they're the closest and they have the biggest impact on you. What does that mean? That means you better be careful who you marry, right? You hear what I'm talking about? It makes a difference. They're going to have such an impact on you. See, the number one purpose, purpose of marriage is not to make you happy. I know you watched all those Disney movies, Happily Ever After and all that. That's not God's number one goal. It's not to make you happy. He wants to make you a man of character, a woman of character. Actually, He say, we could say he wants to make you holy, not happy. It's an interesting thing. I mean, once you start becoming righteous and holy as a man or a woman of God, all of a sudden you start realizing, I mean, if you seek happiness, you're never going to get there. Happiness is like a butterfly, you know, just keeps flipping all over the place and you can't quite get there, but he desires to make us holy. Romans 12 uh, says, love sincerely, hold on to what is good, be devoted to each other like a loving family, excel in showing respect for each other. Respect for each other. Wouldn't it be great to have a little competition at your house to see who could respect the other one better than the other one? <laughs> That's pretty good competition, right? Oh, I'm gonna respect you more. Uh, that, that's what it's talking about. So God made marriage for connecting men and women, multiplying the human race, protection of children, transformation of character. God created marriage. It still matters because it is used for the lifting up of society. So marriage is a fundamental building block of our community, of our state, of our nation, of our church, of our society, of our culture. If you if you know anything about history, you know that where marriages were strong, cultures and nations were strong. You know that whenever marriages and families are weak, cultures and nations are in decline. It is so obvious, isn't it? the direction that our nation is headed right now, right? I mean, I'm patriotic, I love our nation, but it's not hard to see that America is not getting better. It's not getting stronger. It's actually going in the other direction. Why? Because we don't value marriage and family like we used to and like we should. We value me. We value what's best for me. We make individualism an idol. So marriage, what we believe about marriage, is for the lifting up of our society. Proverbs 14, 34 says, righteousness lifts up a nation, but sin brings disgrace to any society. Wow, that is strong. So we are um, recognizing, you know, we We spend so much time fighting about politics and this and that, um, but you know, how we feel about family, how we feel about our relationships, our marriage relationship is really foundational to the growth and the stability of our nation. Amen? You can put that on Facebook. All right. Um, Number six, because that's not what you hear on Facebook. Number six, this is the most important reason, here it is, the most important reason of all, and... Many people have never, ever heard this. I know because I tell people in counseling, this is the reason for marriage. And it's like, are you kidding me? But it's the primary and the deepest and the most profound reason that God created marriage between a man and a woman uh, for us to be unified in our relationship and all that it involves. God created marriage for the reflection of our union with Christ, for it to be a reflection of our union with Christ. Did you know that in the Bible, marriage is used as a metaphor? It's a symbol. It's a walking, living object lesson of how much God loves us and how we are to be in relationship with him. So marriage is a model of profound spiritual truth for us in how we relate uh, to God. So, He's reminding us, showing us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 33. Now, I just want to tell you something. Just as a point of reference. You don't know this, but um, I have this ring. Uh, sadly, this is my second one. Lost the first one, playing softball. Um, but I had this made exactly like the first one was made. And on the inside of my ring... Think about this all the time. On the inside of my ring is a, uh, the reference, Ephesians 5, to 33. And I wear that on my finger all the time as a reminder of what the purpose of marriage is really all about. Paul says this, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He died so that we could give, he could give the church to himself as a bride in all her beauty, In the same way, husbands love your wives as they love their own bodies. No one ever hates his own body, but feeds and takes care of it. And that is what Christ does for his church, his body. The scripture says, a man is united to his wife and the two become one body. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. So each husband must love his wife as he loves himself. And each wife must respect her husband. So profound here. You notice some of the benefits of marriage are obvious and measurable, but this one is like a profound mystery. No other relationship on the planet, none, including a parent-child relationship, no other relationship can adequately illustrate the union that we have with Christ in the way that marriage is expressed through a man and a woman. It's the strongest reason why marriage matters. The strongest reason is that marriage cannot be redefined. I don't care what they say on the politics or the leaders or what people say. I mean, it's been bad the last few years. Who knows what it's gonna be like when these kids that are serving us communion in a minute what it's going to be like for them in 20 years when they get married or whatever but it does not matter god tells us you cannot redefine marriage that's what we stand for what we're saying today what i'm saying is it it, it doesn't matter what other people think about marriage it doesn't matter what public opinion has to say about it. What it really matters is what God said marriage was invented to be and continues to be. And if we live like this, we will be countercultural. You will live in a culture that is forgotten why marriage matters. You live in a culture that does not honor, but actually demeans, discourages, ridicules, redefines uh, marriage. And as a result, we see what's happening in our society. People go to Las Vegas, they drink too much and then they get married and then they don't like that and so they get divorced about as quick as they got married. Celebrities spend millions of dollars having a beautiful wedding and the, wedding, the marriage hardly lasts as long as the wedding uh, does. It's all around us and we see that kind of stuff in our culture. Uh, what's amazing though is that we live in a culture that has forgotten why marriage matters but we still honor it And it still makes big news when a couple has been together for a long time. This week, we have two couples that have been married 67 years here. Isn't that amazing? A couple days ago, I was sitting at a table in a nursing home, and I said, how long have you guys been married? And they said, this year we'll be married 70 years. Wow, that's Dick and Bobby Kumpf. A few years ago, we had a series like this about sacred. Uh, we, we had like 14 couples stand up on this platform, like standing with the rest of us, 14 couples that had been married 50 years. Pretty amazing, just this one church. A few years ago, Kim and I, we went to, um, we went to Disney World for our 30th anniversary. And one of the stunning things about that was, I cannot tell you how many young people we met, we were, marrying, we were wearing these buttons that said, 30-year anniversary or whatever it was, and we met so many people there, and so many of those young people said, we never met anybody that's been married 30 years before. It just broke my heart. But we still clap. We still honor because we know that despite political pressure and all the public voicing of what people say about it, still people know the value of a lifetime of marriage together. And that's really what rips our heart out. When we have unfaithfulness and brokenness in our relationships, so marriage matters. I want it to matter in your life. How you think about it, how you teach your kid, what are you expressing to your children? You have to be the voice of God's truth because they're going to hear everything else out there in the world. I got to be a voice to my son. He's engaged. He's going to get married this year. We we talking about all that. So important what we stand for. So we're gonna do two things. We're gonna have a prayer uh, for all kind of different people in this room. Maybe you have a great marriage, praise God. Maybe you're married and you're struggling. It's difficult. God, bless. you know, we wanna help you. We wanna be support to you. I want your marriage to be better. I want you to handle your circumstances better because you come to a church like this that loves you and believes in you and prays for you. We care about whether you're married or not. I want to pray for you if you've been married and maybe you've been divorced. Or maybe you lost your spouse and you're widowed. I want to pray for you if you're single. and You've you've chosen to be single right now in, in your life. Or maybe you have a desire one day to be married. You guys may have a desire to be married one day. We want to pray for you. Pray that God will help you make the right choices and decisions. But all that stuff you're hearing from the world is not the truth. This is the truth of what God believes about marriage. Please believe that. Please trust him. So we're going uh, to bow together and say a prayer. While I'm praying, I'm going to pray for the elements, and our, our kids are going to make their way uh, to the front here so we, they can serve communion for us. Would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for the opportunity to talk about this today. Today is kind of just getting our minds right. Next week, we'll talk in practical terms about our our marriage relationships and, and the different relationships in our life. But today, Lord, I thank you for those that are married and they would say, marriage is good. Marriage has made such a difference in my life. So Lord, we thank you for the marriage relationships here that are positive and healthy. Lord, there are marriages all around us, some in this room, that honestly are not healthy. Maybe people that we prayed for that I prayed for for maybe a few years. Or maybe there's things just happening right now that are really difficult. I pray for those marriages, Lord. I pray that you would heal those marriages. I pray that you would work in them, that you would help each member of that marriage to decide, decide to be unselfish. So many times, Lord, it's because one partner's trying so hard and the other one's just focused on what they want. Lord, I pray that you would save some marriages. Lord, I pray for those that used to be married, maybe in our feeling lonely and feeling difficulties in their life. I just pray for them. I pray for those that are widowed, Lord, that have lost their spouse and how hard that is, how difficult that is. I pray for them. I pray for, Lord, for those that are single, that they would know that we value their singleness, that we thank you for those that have chosen to be single. We pray for those that maybe they want to be married, And how you would work that in their life, Lord, and how you would help that to to work out just in the right way. And I pray for those, Lord, that have never been married and maybe you're thinking about getting married one day, whatever their age is, here or watching today, Lord, would you guide them into that marriage decision if that's your will for them? And if it is your will, who that right person is. Help them to make a choice on marriage based on God, not themselves. I trust, Lord, that you will help us to consider that marriage still matters and how we can, by our own perspective, by our own beliefs and what we believe your word tells us, to stand firm for marriage. We love you, Lord, and we pray that marriage would be honored by all. Lord, now I thank you for for these moments together in communion. And I pray that you would bless the bread and the juice, that you would especially bless these students, these children that are serving today, and how they are participating in sharing the bread and the blood of Jesus Christ with us today. We are blessed to join with them in communion. Bless us now, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Would you, boys and girls, would you serve us today? The scripture that we read reminds us to think about marriage and our union together in connection with our union with Jesus Christ. This morning, I asked Kim to play marriage music. We love that. Sets the scene there. Maybe, maybe this morning, you would... Think with me about your union with Jesus Christ. Do you you feel connected? Do you love him? Do you feel vulnerability and openness with him? Don't hold back. Offer yourself completely to Christ. I welcome you today to his table. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He died so that he could give the church to himself as a bride in all her beauty. In the same way, husbands, love your wives as you love your own body. No one ever hates his own body but feeds and takes care of it. And that is what Christ does for his church, his body. The scripture says a man is united with his wife and the two become one body. This is a profound mystery. I'm talking about Christ and the church. So each husband must love his wife as he loves himself and each wife must respect her husband. Stand together. Hey guys, thank you. Thank you for serving us today and thank you for sharing communion uh, with us today. Really good job. The Word of God says this bread is a symbol of the broken body of Jesus Christ. He physically offered Himself to you, He was beaten. He was spit upon, he was nailed to a cross. His body was broken so that he could take upon himself your sin, your hurt, your loss. He loves you. He says, you're like a bride to him. Much guys, thank you. So, we eat this bread today in remembrance that Jesus Christ gave his life not just for the world but for you, for me. Let's eat together. Finally, this juice represents the blood of Jesus. It's not just physical on the outside what he gave, but internally gave everything, gave his blood so that you could be saved. We drink this juice today in remembrance that Jesus Christ gave his life for us. And I love it when the Bible says, and when you drink this, be very, very thankful. Let's drink in gratitude. we thank you for the world that we live in. We thank you for America. We thank you for where we live here around Tazewell County. We thank you, Lord, for all the ways that you have blessed us. Today, we pray that you would help us to stand for your truth, that we thank you for your blessings in our life, and we thank you that marriage still matters. We praise you together in Jesus' name. Everybody said together, amen. God bless you.